Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Sunrise on this beautiful Sunday morning. Welcome to those of you in the sanctuary. Welcome to all of you guys online with us as well. My name is Dan. I'm the worship director here, and I want you guys go ahead and stand with us as we get our hearts prepared to worship God. As I was thinking about this morning, about singing and worshiping, it's just, it's, sometimes it can be a lot, just getting here to church in the morning, you're getting your kids here, or, or all this stuff in the morning, or stuff the week still weighing on your, high, on your mind, or family, or work, or um, the stresses of school. So I think it's, um, I like sometimes just to settle into scripture and kind of start that way. So sometimes you may be wondering, why does he start this way? But I like to kind of help focus our minds before we get into worship and singing. So hear these words from Psalm 57. I think it's just a perfect uh, four verses to get us rolling in this morning. So it says, my heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast, and I will sing and make music. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples, for great is your love reaching to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all of the earth. So let's sing, let's make music, let's make melodies, and worship our King of Kings this morning. Let's sing together. Yeah. 
Trusted in the trial and the change Is this one thing remains? This one thing remains Is your love never fails, it never gives up Never runs out on me Your love never fails, it never gives up Never runs out on me. Oh, your love never fails, it never gives up. Never runs out on me, your love is. And on and on and on and on it goes. Moving overwhelms and satisfies my soul. Yes, this- 
Jesus, God, it is well. Thank you, God, that we can rest in that knowledge. That you've got it all under control, God. No matter what we're facing, no matter what the road, the path that we may be walking right now may be full of bumps, full of ditches, may be hard to get through. But God, we know that you are on our side. You are fighting our battles for us. And you are the light that shines in the darkness for each one of us. For some of us, it may be God, that you are blessing, you are just throwing your blessings left and right right now, and we're just feeling on the mountaintop, and God, thank you for that. But God, we know that there are times when it's a struggle. So God, thank you for the reminder of this morning that you are with us, and no matter what we're going through, it is well. It is well with you, God. Build our trust, God. Build our trust that, so that we, when we come upon those trials, those sufferings, those ditches in the road, those battles, God, that we turn to you. We don't try to wrestle with ourselves and try harder and use our talents and use our strengths and what we're good at, but God, that we would lean into you. For you are good. You're a kind and loving God and you are for us. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can take a seat. Good morning. Oh, that was really good. Um, my name is Carissa, and I'm a partner here, and I just want to welcome everybody to Sunrise this morning. Um, and I don't know about you, it's just, I love singing that song. And um, I know, I don't know if you've ever had a song that just, like instantly takes you to a specific moment and I just know I know that we have people here hurting this morning and like Dan said people that are celebrating and it's just amazing that we can worship God and know that even when we can't sing those words that he he is good and he he is with us so it's great to be together this morning um we do have some exciting things coming up uh first of all just Welcome. Thanks for being here. Um, if a, a lot of you know this drill, but if you are here for the first time, um, then we want to say a special welcome. And there are some gifts in the back in the lobby and some people that would love to say hello to you. But no matter what, um, if you are here in person, you can take your phone and scan that QR code in front of you and get connected and find out more information. Um, and if you are watching online, then there will be a link in the comments and you can click on that and get connected as well. And all of the information for the announcements that I'm gonna share, um, you can find information that way too. We do have a Thanksgiving drive, food drive, that's kicking off this morning um, and will be going on for about the next month. So for those of you here in person, when you leave the sanctuary um, this morning at that high top table, there are some lists available for food items. And they've even split them up for, you know, if you find yourself shopping at Meijer or Aldi, you can grab the appropriate list that will just kind of highlight some things to look for. And then there is a table in the lobby where you can bring those food items anytime between now and November 14. So grab a shopping list um, or follow the link online and you can just pick up some extra things here and there. Also, going on today, um, I know some people signed up for the Derby Car Building, um, and even if you didn't sign up, but if you saw that notice and you got yourself a kit, then you can stay after, after church. I almost... I'm a teacher. I almost said after school. Sorry. Um, you can stay after church today. You don't have to stay after school. Um, and build that car. And then next week after church is the Derby. And I would imagine anyone is welcome to come and watch, even if you didn't build a car. Um, also, we have a partnership class that is going to be coming up in a few weeks, two weeks from today, on October 24. And there's also more information um, that you can email info at sunrisemen.org and get signed up for that. And that's just a great way if you've been coming to Sunrise for a while but never attended a partnership class 
or if you're brand new and you just want to find out more information, then come on out. You're not obligated to anything, but it's just a great way to learn about the church's history and find some ways to get connected. That is all for this morning. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. How's your weekend been so far? <laughs> okay, well, um, it's good to be here with you. My name is also Dan. Um, I am the shorter, less intelligent version, less musically inclined version of this Dan. Um, but it is it's good to see you guys here this morning. I need to let you guys know, uh, for most of you this will be a little bit of a reminder with some more specific details, but <clears throat> I'm having a surgery on November 4th. And so for the next couple of weeks, I will be uh, wearing a large mask <laughs> on my face when I'm around you. And I will be very carefully not very close when I'm around you. That is not because I have bad breath or because I think that you do, but because I can't get sick or my surgery is going to get rescheduled. So know that. Um, you won't see much of my face. I may have to shave off my beard to get a good seal on the N95. So I will once again look like an 18-year-old. Uh, but I just I want to be really open with you guys about that. Uh, I've been working with the staff, the elders, the directors to help fill in the blanks of what things will look like because I will also need to take several weeks off of work so that I can lay on a bed and feel the pain in my back. <laughs> uh, so that recovery time will take some time. We are linking arms with Noah Matthias, who you guys, if you remember him well, he's uh, been up here to preach a few times. His wife is on staff. We introduced them last week as new members, new partners here at Sunrise. But I'm working with him to identify some really great students at Calvin Seminary who are looking for great opportunities to preach, who have been affirmed by their churches, by their professors, by their students as being great people who are able to preach well. And so Noah and I are working to help prepare them well for an Advent series that will help us all walk together, whether we are online, in bed, or in the room, uh, through an Advent season that is very meaningful for us. So I know that for some of you, that might be an opportunity to kind of lean out. I want to encourage you to lean in. If for no other reason than you will hear way more convincing, much better looking people up on this stage over those weeks. Um, but that will, uh, that will be coming. And so I am excited about this Thanksgiving dinner drive that Carissa mentioned. Uh, this is a new thing for us at Sunrise. It's not a new thing in our community. Uh, Solomon's Porch started this a while ago where they got together and said, we want to help care for the families in our community who are not able to celebrate Thanksgiving in the way that we uh, commonly do. And so they've, through the last couple of years, gotten to the point where they have served 200 families last year by providing Thanksgiving meals for them. And they came to us and asked us, do we want to be a part of that, knowing that we had done a great job uh, doing our best to care for the community via the food bank. And so because of your work, Sunrise, and those of you who are watching online who have participated with us in that food bank, we have another opportunity to continue walking with the community in a way that's super meaningful. So those lists are out there on the table, very specific items that are needed. That way we can get as much to people as possible at as low of a cost as possible so that we can bless as many people as possible. So join us with that. We're going to give some ways for your kids to get involved too, maybe a little bit of competition stuff there as well, but please join us in that. Uh, over the last several weeks, actually over the last several months, we have taken the time to have this really big view, big scope of what it is that's happening in Scripture. Uh, we are a people who hold as one of our values the idea of being biblical. That is, we are a community of people who believe that the stories in Scripture are meaningful and helpful for us today as we seek to live lives that transform the world with God's grace and love. That these stories help us see not just what those people lived through and what the God we believe in and serve did to show himself faithful to them, but so that we can see ourselves in those stories and see how God has been faithful to us. After this series, then we kind of narrowed the funnel a little bit and we started talking about what it means to be a good church. Uh, what was the word that we used there that's the Hebrew word that's like a... Tov, well done. You guys are great. Thank you so much. Um, we talked about what it means to be a good church. 
there are so many examples in our lives of what bad churches have looked like, what bad leaders have looked like, examples of the ways that the church should have been able to step forward into chaos and bring order and peace and justice and just hasn't done that. And so we narrowed that funnel a little bit to help us look at what it means to be a good, beautiful, masterpiece kind of church, meaning us as a full collection of people and as families, as individuals. Today, what I want to do is start a a four-week conversation that helps us narrow that funnel a little bit more and helps us answer the question of how. How do we become not just people who see this larger story and understand that we're part of something significantly greater than ourselves, how do we also then take that and actualize the truths that we see in these stories so that we become a good, faithful community and person without stressing ourselves out? That's the trick. And I want to suggest to you that this conversation is going to hit a few nails on the head. Not because I am that good, because I am not. But because I think this conversation has been lacking in churches for so long that it has caused problems to surface that we can't find the source of. Let me be very specific with you. If you've paid attention at all, you know that as students grow up and mature and they go off to college, they often leave at home their faith, right? I want to suggest to you this morning that this conversation forms a direct line to why this happens. I want to suggest to you that part of the reason why you have a hard time falling at sleep falling asleep at night is connected directly to this four-week conversation. Students, during this conversation, you will hear me hopefully giving voice to some of the fears, some of the hopes, some of the needs that you have that you're trying to get the adults in your life to hear, to acknowledge, and to help you walk well with. Some of you are like me, and you're just beginning to discover what all of this kind of stuff looks like, and you are failing forward. And then there are you crazy people who none of us really like, we do, who seem to have this already figured out. And we're going to need your voices to help encourage us before, after services, in threes company groups, in small groups, in texts, whatever it is, to help affirm the things that we're going to be talking about. Now, what I'm talking about comes from Scripture, but it also comes from this book called Try Softer. Uh, The last few chapters in this book, part two of this book, provide for us a really practical way for us to pursue some of the truths that are in Scripture. And I want to suggest to you that though you might be tempted to say, oh, we're talking about this kind of a book, these kinds of things that we don't talk about in the church, I'm just going to kind of step back and let it go that you are going to miss something incredibly important if you do that. So, this morning, I want to talk very specifically about what it means to try softer in a world that tells us to try harder when it comes to our attention. To do that, I want to jump into Romans chapter 12, verse 3, after this prayer. God, we are people who have tired ourselves out in the classroom, on sports fields, in our own minds, uh, trying to prepare for days, trying to fall asleep, because what has been ingrained in us so strongly has been this idea of trying harder. God, I pray that you would help us to crush those kinds of thoughts, build within us a new kind of culture and a direction in our lives as individuals and as people so that we can see what you've called us to do and to be. Amen. So in Romans chapter 12, Paul writes these words. And I want to suggest to you that they're pretty stout words, and it's going to be on these words that the rest of this conversation is structured. Paul writes these words to people who lived in Rome who wanted to try to find a way to follow Jesus well in the midst of a country and a world that was in turmoil. And he writes, Don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. That's pretty clear, right? I mean, (laughs) 
It's pretty simple, but it's not easy. We spend a ton of our lives thinking about ourselves. According to this information here found on the neuroscience uh, of everyone's favorite subject, on average, people spend 60% of conversations talking about themselves, and this figure jumps to 80% when communicating via social media platforms such as Twitter or Facebook, unless you're talking about politics, specifically the ones that you disagree with or a really funny meme that you found. But that's a pretty high percentage, right? I mean, I wanted to go back through and look at my own Facebook, Snapchat, whatever it is that you have, TikTok, whatever, and figure out how much of that was really about me. I'm wondering if you might feel like this is accurate for you. On a national level, for the United States, this is true. That's a good thing and it's a bad thing, right? <laughs> it's a good thing to be thinking about how it is you're going to look or how your breath is going to smell when you go to work. Or when you go to school, do you have the kinds of things in your bag that you need to have to get through the day well? But you and I both know that we think about ourselves in vastly different ways, about vastly more things than that, and when we let other people in to know about the things that we think about ourselves, we control that pretty tightly, right? There's another quote from this same article that says, the self-disclosure can have positive impacts on everything from the most basic of needs, physical survival to personal growth through enhanced spiritual self-knowledge. Sorry, Self-disclosure just is the practice of letting people know who you are. It is a good thing to walk into a room of people who you trust and who love you and to be real about who you are. I think all of us thirst for that, right? Some of us have learned throughout the years that that's not a safe thing to do because as you let people know who you are, they've pushed you away or they've judged you. Oh, well, you did that? Well, then you can't fill in the blank. Oh, you like fill in the blank? Well, then you can't this. We accumulate for us over the years of our lives from the times we're very little kids all the way up to where we are right now, these ideas of when it's safe and when it's not safe to share who we are, to self-disclose. And our attention very easily turns to how do I manage how I look and how do I deal with the things in my life that are both really good and really bad? What we've done is, uh, I think, over the last several years, is we've tried really hard to help our kids grow up well, to see themselves well. Uh, when I was a kid, if you did really well on a sports team and your team won first place, then you got a trophy. And one of the things that people like to point out now is that now everybody gets a participation trophy, right? Everybody's gotten soft. What we've done is we've worked hard with very good intentions to help our children and ourselves believe that who we are is good. We've unknowingly taught ourselves that the way that you are good is if you just try harder, right? Just try harder. Focus more on your classes and you'll do better. If you're having a hard time in your relationship, just try harder. If you have questions about who God is and where you fit in the faith community that you've grown up in and where all of this makes sense in your life, just try harder to make sense of it. Just be a good church, just be tov, just be a masterpiece. <laughs> that sounds great and wonderful, but it's almost like saying, hey, when you get an opportunity, make sure that you drive to Taco Tierra in Princeton, Indiana. It's a great spot. Okay, but tell me more. Like, where is this place? <laughs> How do I get there? And so it becomes very hard for us as people to know what does it really look like for us to get to a place where we're comfortable with who we are, where we're safe, where we can walk through the high points of life and the valleys of life well. Let me walk down the ladder of abstraction here for you. When a relationship ends because of conflict or because of death, moving away. Often the story that we tell ourselves because of the stories that we've heard from so many other people is, well, just get over it, right? Just try harder. Like, 
get into some hobbies, meet some new people, clean things out, like just move past it. And that becomes really difficult for us because we know that deep down inside when those kinds of things happen, when a kid makes fun of us at school, we can't just get over those things. We have to learn to walk with them differently and how that's done becomes incredibly important. And if we don't know how to do that well, we will fall apart as we get older. We will go off to college and leave the things that we have been told by the communities that we grew up with if what they have told us all along is try harder. Because when we say try harder, we are intrinsically saying, we are implicitly saying, you're not good enough. There's something wrong with you. And that's not what we mean to say, (laughs) but that's how it's heard on the ears of people even like me. My back, (laughs) and I'm... I even hesitate to say this because it's about me and because I, I don't want to whine, but it's true. My back is driving me nuts. And any one of you could say to me, just get over it. Like, just try harder to just have a good attitude, right? Well, I don't want to try harder to have a good attitude. <laughs> like, it stinks. And if you were in my shoes, it'd be hard for you too. And I think that if your kids your coworker, or your spouse were honest with you, they would say the same thing. If you were in my shoes, there is no way you would want me to say that to you. Try harder. So in the midst of all of this, our self-esteem plummets. I'm not good enough. I can't try harder to get over this. I'm never going to get to the point where I can get to here. And so when we think about ourselves When Paul says to think about ourselves soberly and with sound judgment, we don't even know what that means. Does it mean that we push ourselves down and we we give up a sense that we are important because that's what the church often says that we should do? How many of you grew up hearing that true joy is ordering your life in such a way that it's Jesus, others, and then you? It is unspiritual to take care of yourself. That is baloney. And we, as Sunrise, will push our kids, our students, deeper and deeper into a hole of feeling like they are alone and are not able to walk through life well with the people who they've grown up with if the story we are telling them is that the purposes of your life is Jesus, others, and then you. What Paul is saying is, that is not sober judgment. He doesn't say in these words, don't think about yourself. He invites us to think about ourselves, not more highly than we ought, but also not more lowly than we should either. And so what does this look like? If we're not careful, what we create in our society is this, a situation where instead of creating children with true self-esteem, our country creates a generation of children who, for all the appearances of high self-esteem, actually have little regard for themselves because they have little on which to base their self-esteem. I was at a baseball game the other day, <clears throat> little kids playing, and uh, a kid took a fastball to the side, right here, got him. He did not feel good. He kind of just folded into himself for a second, and you could see him fighting tears. And the coach came out there to him, and I don't know what the coach said to him, but I cringed a little bit in that moment because I remember being hit by baseballs when I was a kid, and my coach or other people saying, shake it off, right? Rub some dirt on it. You're fine. Go ahead. We tell our kids the things that we have wrapped up neatly in, thing, in ways that have become American values for us, like pick yourself up by the bootstraps or have a stiff upper lip. And what happens is instead of ignoring your pain with a stiff upper lip mentality, we need to stop and tell ourselves what, what I'm going through right now, whether you've lost a loved one, you've been hit by a baseball <laughs> You've been abandoned by your friends or hurt by your parents. 
this is really difficult right now. How can I comfort and care for myself in this moment? Andy Kolber, the author of this book, states that it's difficult to build toward compassion, which is one of our values here at Sunrise. It's difficult to build toward compassion, caring for other people well, toward ourselves and toward others, if we continue to be highly critical of everything in and around us. I'm critical of myself because there's a chair up here that I have to sit on sometimes. Because the story that I tell myself is that as a pastor in West Michigan, you don't do this. Some of you have a hard time dealing with something in your life because the story you have been telling yourself and the stories you have been accumulating from the people around you is that your sitting in a chair, metaphorically speaking, is not okay. And so you have to have a stiff upper lip and walk through life with a metaphorical back that's killing you and walk around the stage of life like nothing is wrong because the order of your life should be Jesus, others, and then you. But in the midst of that kind of thinking, Paul says these words. Don't think of yourself, and then the sentence keeps going. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. I want to get extremely practical here now. I want you to imagine that sitting in this chair right here is your best friend. Or maybe not even a best friend, just somebody who you really respect, somebody who you know has gone through a hard time. They're sitting in this chair right here, okay? Maybe it's your little brother who got picked on in school or your neighbor who got fired, whatever it is. And they sit in this chair in your living room and they let you know about all the things that they're struggling with right now. I feel like I don't know who I am. I, I make these commitments to myself to try harder and I'm just not getting better grades at school. Or I can't seem to shake this habit, or as much as I don't want to, I find myself attracted to, what would your words to this person be? What if it was your child sitting right here saying, I don't have any more to give <laughs> to my studies. I know that you want me to do well in school. I know, <laughs> I know that you want me to be active in youth group, that you want me to be part of the NHS, that you want me to do really well on my sports team, that you want me to be involved in theater, that you want me to do really well in school so that I can go to the same school that you do after school, but I just don't feel like I have it. What's your response? Is it, will try harder. Or pat on the shoulder, you'll get over this. Don't worry. For, <laughs> I present this to you in this way because I think all of us, when we look at someone else, recognize that what we need in those moments to do for someone who is going through a difficult time is to remind them that they're enough, right? To remind them that even though life is hard for them right now and I don't have all the answers for you, I will be there with you. I mean, this is what the story of Scripture seems to tell us, right? To Moses and to Jonah and to John the Baptist and to the disciples on the sea as it was crashing all around them. To the people who stood around watching Jesus being crucified. Jesus didn't say, <laughs> the story of Scripture doesn't say, suck it up, cupcake. I know this is hard, but you've got to find a way to get over it. Pick yourself up by the bootstraps. That's not in Scripture. 
But what happens over and over and over and over and over again is the story of God, of Jesus, of the disciples who are following Jesus well, coming to someone who is having a difficult time and saying, abide in me. My burden for you, (laughs) it's not the try harder burden that you've been carrying all of your life. It's the try softer. It's remember who I've made you to be. (laughs) It's don't beat yourself up. Don't think of yourself more lowly than you are. Don't tell yourself the things that you so easily tell yourself when you feel like you're failing because those things are not true. Stop listening to the voices in your head and hear the words that are coming out of my mouth. I love you and you are enough. And I care more about you than what I want for you. I think these are the kinds of things that Paul would unpack for us if he was to come here and sit in this chair or stand on this stage and was trying to explain to us all of the force, all of the spirit that were in the words that he said as he wrote this dense sentence. I think he would say these words that Andi wrote in her book. What we need is someone to help us be gentle, which she points out as an important biblical idea, and to help coax the scared little one inside of me Not to work so hard all the time. Because somewhere along the way, many of us learn that to validate or pay attention to ourselves is wrong. If you're like me, there's a little bit of you right now that feels uncomfortable with this idea, right? (laughs) Because taking care of yourself means that you let other people down sometimes. You cancel a coffee appointment. You tell your spouse, you know what, I need to take a day and just go out into the woods. Or you can't tell your spouse, no, you can't do that because I need you to empty the dishwasher. (laughs) It requires us to be a people who struggle through things differently. David Banner, who's a, a spiritual director, wrote this book called The Gift of Being Yourself, and he makes this statement that I think is very connected to this topic. He says, leaving the self, ourselves, out of Christian spirituality results in a spirituality that is not well-grounded in experience. Let me know if this feels like a critique that you could make of the church today. It is therefore not well-grounded in reality. Focusing on God while failing to know ourselves deeply may produce an external form of piety, but it will always leave a gap between appearance and in reality. When we think about ourselves, what are we thinking about? Is it the appearance? I want you to drive by every church in Jenison. First of all, that'll take you a week to do. <laughs> Second of all, while you're doing that, I want you to take the time to look at the lawn. Count the weeds that you can find. Because I guarantee you, you can probably count all of those weeds in every lawn of every church in Jenison, Michigan, on one hand. We literally throw money into the ground to make sure that the lawn appears beautiful. But then walk into those churches, including this one. And find out how closely that appearance of a weedless yard fits the reality of the internal yards of people's hearts. I want to suggest to you that even that small exercise will help us see the reality of this. (laughs) Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. I want to walk you through just a very brief suggestion. This is a a helpful tool that Andi has in her book. On the side here, she's got, throughout many of her pages, some suggestions for us that I want to just share with you. 
because though I think we've walked down the ladder of abstraction a little bit, I want to give you some very specific things that are from this book, that if you buy this book, which this is not why I'm talking about this, but if you buy this book, these kinds of things are in here. Maybe this week this is a helpful way for you to just think of things in your life rightly. Put your hands under a faucet and notice the temperature of the water. Wash your hands and notice the varying sensations. If you're like me and you grew up in the church for a long time in this kind of an area, this is like, why in the world did you do that? <laughs> I wash my hands every day. I know what it feels like. The reason why is because it helps us get out of our mental internal focus on ourselves and how we appear to other people and helps us focus on what's happening here and now and how it affects us. There's a couple of other options here. Go outside, put your bare feet on the grass, and notice the textures and the shade. Notice the leaves on the trees. Count them. Notice their shapes and their colors. Two more. Hug a loved one for five seconds with their permission. Notice your breathing. Notice your heart rate. Whatever emotions come with that. And here's the last one that might feel spiritual enough for some of you to actually try. Meditate on this verse. Your beauty and your love chase after me every day of my life. Students, on behalf of the churches that you've grown up in and the pastors who've walked with you, and the youth leaders who have said to you, your job is to try harder, I'm sorry. That's not what you need to hear. That is not what I needed to hear growing up. And hearing that has made it very difficult for me to care for myself well. And if for no other reason than for you to know that you're loved and that God's love chases after you wherever you go, I will have this conversation for you. God, our attention is pulled in so many different ways. Even right now in the midst of a quiet room, it's easy for our minds to go toward a billion different things. And if the percentages are right, <laughs> about 60% of those things have to do with ourselves. And God, I confess that a lot of times I am more concerned about how I appear to people than what my reality really is. And that I can tell myself things, I can call myself things that are just not true. And that I can push myself down the ladder of priorities or I can push myself so high up the ladder of priorities that I become unhealthy. And I think that all of us can relate to that. So in the ways that we can this week, God, would you remind us to stop, to recognize when things are hard and to instead of telling ourselves to try harder, to be kind to ourselves and to try softer, to remind ourselves that we're human, that it's not a bad thing to be dependent on you, to not have all the answers, to need help. And God, for the students in the room, for the adults in the room, for all of us, would you help us find the people in our lives who are safe, who we trust, who love us, and help us see ourselves clearly as people who you love, people who you chase after, because we believe that's actually what you do for us. Amen. So we're going to close this service like we do all every other service. 
<laughs> and you can respond just like you do in every other service. Or you can respond differently. I don't know what you need. You do. I don't know the difficult things in your life that you're mentally thinking of, that you're telling yourself. You just need to suck it up. You need to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and push through. But I want to challenge you as we sing this song, as we bring this time together to a close, that maybe you ask yourself the question, what do I need to do to be kind to myself and to take care of myself in the midst of fill in the blank? I want you to actually think about that. <laughs> if you don't follow Jesus, everything we just talked about, you're off the hook for but if you say that you do follow Jesus and you do believe that Scripture is from God and it's helpful for us to be what Jesus has called us to be, then as you read this passage to think of yourself with sound judgment, it is not just an invitation, but it is a call for you to respond. And so I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it means you need to go out into the lobby during a song and talk with your spouse or with your child. You need to find a friend and talk to them or you need to ask somebody to pray for you. But you're going to miss out if you don't at least respond in some way that helps you care for yourself. It's not a sinful thing to do. And so that's my invitation. Whether you give during this time or you don't, you sing or you don't, you stand up or you don't, whatever it is, you're in a safe space. God's love is chasing after you. Where it's okay for you to care for yourself in the way that you need to. So we're going gonna to go ahead and sing together. Um, this is a new song. I don't know if you guys um, may or may not have seen that post on Facebook, on our Facebook page, but I put the link on there. Um, so it, you may or may not know, the, know this song. It's been on the radio a little bit, but it's quickly becoming a favorite of mine. So if it's new, just listen along, um, but try to engage with us and sing along with us as you get familiar with it. So reign above it all. Let's sing together.
You sent the darkness running out of an empty grave. Seated alone in glory, throned on the highest praise. You sent the darkness running out of an empty grave. Seated alone in glory, throned on the highest praise. You sent the darkness running. Of an empty grave, I seen it alone in glory, on the highest grave. You sent the darkness running out of an empty grave, I seen it alone in glory, on the highest grave. You reign above it all. You reign above. There's a legend that a rap told people that when you die and go to heaven, God will not ask you, why were you not Moses? He'll ask you, why were you not you? You will not know who you are if you don't take the time to love yourself as God loves you. The greatest commandment, all of the commandments can be summed up in these words, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. But don't think more lowly of yourself than you ought to either. And may the God of heaven who chases after you bless you this week and continue to transform your life with his love and with his grace. Sunrise, have a great week. We'll see you Sunday.